Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Dr. Lizzie Bernthal. Lizzie, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you. So excited to be here. Well, I had a little chuckle just before you came into the Zoom call because I had a doctor waiting in my waiting room, which I thought was a little bit funny, a little bit ironic there. So it's, I'm not a doctor myself. So I just thought, oh, yeah, nice to see the tables are turned for once. Yeah, exactly. Exciting. <laughs> so what is it that you're doing at the moment, Lizzie? Well, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission because I am passionate that we don't have toxic leadership in business anymore because it can be really miserable. So um, I help authentic leaders stand tall, own who they are. And when they stand tall, then they support their teams to stand tall. And then there's no place for toxic leadership. And what is it that it shows up as toxic leadership? How would you know that you've got a toxic leader yeah, well, what's interesting is, I mean, I've experienced, I think we've all experienced in our lives, um, those bosses that are actually, we don't realise at the time, but they're quite toxic, but we think it's all about us. We think it's because we're not good enough. And so uh, certainly it shows up when um, leaders come to see me is that often they lack confidence. They find it, they're too scared to speak up at meetings sometimes. They just they just don't go for the promotion that they wanted or they feel that they should be doing. Uh, and they just feel they're just not showing up as they know they could. They're capable of doing so. And then when we unpick all that, it's because somebody has just been knocking them down. So what happens is that, that knocks their confidence. And so they start sort of almost like behaving, feeling small. But what when we unpick all that, we acknowledge I help them acknowledge it's nothing to do with them. But they're not always aware that their leader, their boss, whoever is in their life is doing that to them, that it's nothing to do with them. So once they acknowledge that it's nothing to do with them, they find the confidence that's already within them because we're all born with confidence. Then they just suddenly wake up and everything starts changing. And it's just magical to witness. So it's interesting because who would book you knowing that they might be a toxic leader? Well, it's not the toxic leader would ever book me because, <laughs> because they don't see themselves as toxic leaders. That's the interesting thing. I think toxic leadership is a real, we hear a lot about toxic leadership. Nobody who is behaving in a toxic way ever sees themselves as toxic. They just, that's just how they are. And it's, but it's the, the those around them that has have the impact. So it's those around them that that's they're the they're the people I'm passionate, the leaders I'm passionate to support to help them acknowledge they have it all. And then it is incredible how they show up powerfully. And when they show up powerfully, the leader that's toxic just 
their behavior changes because they're not they, they, there's no victim bully if the if the bully is not having any impact on the victim there's no point so it changes so it's almost they become the ripple in the pond by removing some of that the toxicity in the culture of the of the organization and as a result it just becomes a happier place for everyone to work and is this an environment that you've always worked in or, or were you doing something different before yeah no I think the reason I'm I'm so passionate about this I spent 25 years in the army as a nurse and a midwife and then latterly in research and I did lots of research with organizations looking at uh, why women were not in senior rolling positions um, but also as part of that I had a toxic boss and I didn't realize it at the time and then one day um, he undermined me one more time and just something snapped in me and it, it I just stood up that day in a meeting and absolutely let rip in an empowered controlled way not like a child throwing their tantrum but in an empowered controlled way and suddenly everything changed from that moment and I, ha- I then saw the imp- that it was toxic leadership not that it wasn't all me and there was something wrong with me and I vowed at that moment that I would help leaders never have to experience the same as I'd experienced so I think most of us that do hopefully great stuff it's because we've had an experience and we never want others to go through that experience ourselves so that's certainly my driver and you said you right at the beginning that you are on a mission to help the authentic authentic people become leaders now having 25 years in the army your version of a mission is probably slightly different (laughs) to other people's yeah yeah I mean obviously I you know I have deployed to Afghanistan all around the world and and, you know seen some very extraordinary places um, and challenging environments so I think yeah we're all authentic if we if we choose to be authentic so when I say make leaders they are already the leader already that's the whole point but there's sometimes there's conversations that go off in our heads that um can stop them realizing how awesome they really are and once we once we unpick a bit of that then they start owning who they are and they move into the real person within them that is that authentic powerful enlightened leader and you said that something went off inside you, which you then made a vow to yourself that you were going to focus on this. And this podcast is talk about focus on on why. And, and that seems to be that both angles are, are really covered here, that you've got the focus and you've got the why. Share with me or, and the audience what the focus is and, and how you stay on focus. Yeah, I think I think. We, we all need a purpose in life. And actually, I, I deliver workshops to help um, businesses and leaders identify their purpose. Once we have a purpose, everything changes in our life because we're on such a, and I talk the word, say the word mission, but we are on such a mission to make a difference. We haven't got time to be lying in bed and being miserable. Oh, it's Monday morning. I hate my work. You know, when you have something bigger than yourself, then we have to we we have a duty to just to do it and get on with it and just we have no time to waste so it creates that urgency and that momentum to just do it and that's when everything changes and with the purpose piece and you said you you work with companies and help them to deliver their purpose as well 
the individual purpose and the business purpose, how aligned do you believe they need to be? Essential. And I think this is when I help businesses and individuals identify their values. And it's values that really mean something to them. We've all been to organisations when they've got a placard on the wall that says our mission is this and our values are this. Uh, you know, always innovation, integrity, authenticity, those, those, the, those are the values they always generally put up. But what does it mean? What does integrity really mean? Are you living in integrity? What does innovation mean? And you cannot have innovation without courage because courage, you know, innovation by definition is a risk. And in order to take a risk, that takes courage. So it's unpicking what are the true values of the individuals. And when you find the true values of the individuals and the culture that the organization wants to develop, it's making sure that it matches and engaging everyone in that organization with the values. So they really own them and they're living them. And to my mind, a leader is a leader when no one's watching. And that's the difference. When it becomes part of who you are, it's not a question of living your values because it's so embedded within you that you just do it naturally. And your role in the army, you said you, you spent 25 years there, a nurse, a midwife, and then latter parts in research. How much of the, the culture has sort of become who you are from the army's perspective? Yeah, it's really interesting. So um, it was I I left as a lieutenant colonel, and so I had a team to manage, a team to support. I was in a fairly senior position, and I was always passionate about supporting my team. And I, looking back on it, um, I often took, if you want to use a medical term, the bullets for my team. You know, if I had, if we had a, a what you could describe as a tricky boss, but actually there's no one that's tricky. It's how they make us feel that's tricky, not the person themselves. I would always be standing up for my team and almost like I'll take the flack. Um, I learned a huge amount about leadership when I was in the army. I think leadership of ourselves because we can only lead ourselves before we can lead our teams. And, you know, certainly being in very adverse situations, um, you learn so much about yourself and what your strengths are, what, you know, maybe you could do differently. And it's all about feedback. You know, every minute of every day is feedback. And there's no such thing as failure. Failure is just purely feedback. And so, yes, I learned a huge amount. There were some, obviously, the, the, the culture of the military is like give of your best and do it no matter what. And no such thing as failure. And, you know, and sacrifice to a certain extent. Um, you know, sacrifice to the extent that you're prepared to give your life if it's required. Now, um, and I think what's been so interesting over the last 18 months is how all those qualities that are embedded within a military culture have come to the fore with all of us. You know, all of us have suddenly found ourselves in a war zone, for want of a better word, with COVID and bringing up all sorts of thoughts and feelings that maybe they weren't used, you know, most people are not used to. And an, a common enemy that we're all fighting against, that we don't know where it is. And so 
it's been a really interesting experience over the last 18 months with those so with those same emotions that so many are going through they're not used to where you have that complete roller coaster of one minute wow it's great we're working at home and can do the washing in the middle of the day and all that sort of practical stuff to the sudden like wow what's all this about and now as we emerge from it it's like whoa it is like a deployment you know I've been on the hamster wheel coping coping homeschooling all the stuff we've had to deal with now we're sort of like going back out there again but oh my goodness that's a bit scary it's just like I'm not sure how I feel about this so it's been really interesting from my perspective seeing it from a military angle as as a bit of a deployment for everyone yeah it's a really yeah. interesting perspective that you share there and and something that i've noticed a lot of people who come out of the army they have that sort of loss of purpose a loss of individual or self or collective nature and again it's probably what people have been feeling also is that they, they were all in it together in covid and then now it's like okay you're back to fending for yourself again yeah it's interesting and i think there's a whole whole level of discussion about you know belonging versus fitting in and what i find really fascinating about belonging and fitting in we all want to belong because it's a tribal thing you know millions of years ago if you weren't didn't belong to the tribe you'd starve because no one fed you with a lion so we all need that really strong sense of belonging but actually the irony of it all is fitting in is the complete opposite of belonging because we could only belong to ourselves so if we try and fit in we're not being true to ourselves because we're like that chameleon that fits into whatever that round hole in a square peg and What's interesting about COVID is that we've had that common on the, you know, this is a vast generalization, which is research you should never do, but we've had this sort of common enemy that we're all fighting against. And now as we start going back to whatever life happens from the next few months on, we haven't got that same sense of cohesion that we maybe had you know, way back in March last year, when suddenly we were all at home, all homeschooling, all doing that, this thing. And now there's levels of, you know, the whole hybrid of going back to work into the physical environment. You know, some are staying work at home, some are going back, some off, some organisations are saying everybody's got to be in, some organisations say we're not ready yet. So there's this whole kind of mishmash, which can be confusing without really knowing navigating those emotions and acknowledging that they're emotions and that's okay too and did you ever find lizzie when you were in the army that you had almost a conflict because you're all about saving life but then you also had the knowledge that you're about sacrificing your own life if required yeah i think that's a really interesting question now interestingly my two uncles were killed because i'm eighth generation of army so i had been brought up with that feeling of sacrifice and it's our duty and you know duty has been a massive strong driver for me um and that there, there are you know sometimes people find it quite confusing how how can you be a nurse and a midwife to make people better but you're in a fighting organization but it's it's literally there our, my role was always to save lives as much as I possibly could and so make my 
do my bit to save ir- irrelevant, you know, irrelevant of background conflict. You know, when I was working in Afghanistan, we had, you know, we had to, we had to manage it very carefully because potentially you could have somebody in the Taliban who's been injured next to a soldier who's trying to blow him up. So we navigating all that that sort of culture was was really ch- interesting and challenging. But yeah, I think I think it always. Even then, even though I didn't understand what purpose was really when I was serving, it's it's still something bigger than ourselves, still there to make a difference, still there with a strong driver to make the world a better place. And, you know, by going into humanitarian, um, you know, a humanitarian conflict, doing whatever we can do, each as an individual, but as a collective to make the world a better place. And with that, you mentioned duty and duty being a strong driver for you. And you talked about values. What are your core values, Lizzie? Being authentic, integrity and innovation, you know, just as I said earlier on. But, you know, really, to me, integrity is is a 100 percent a way of being. Down to the practical of like, you know, people pleaser just goes. Because people please, if you're a people pleaser, and I used to be a people pleaser, you know, acknowledging that that's not integrity, because you're saying yes, for example, because you want to please the other person, but that's not being honest with yourself. So integrity is how you live your life every minute of every day, even saying, you know, at home, oh, I'm going to empty the dishwasher, but actually, no, I'm not going to empty the dishwasher, I'll, I'll wait till my husband empties the dishwasher, even to that practical level that is what living is a life of integrity um and doing you know doing fulfilling your promises and doing what you say and and then everything changes because we start you you feel that sense of peace and within you and you mentioned innovation but you also mentioned innovation in connection with courage now yeah. it takes great courage. I, I I would imagine I don't know, but to to serve for your country it must take courage. Well, I never saw it that actually. It's interesting. I was always in awe of the courage of some, um, you know, other soldiers who literally went. For example, when I was in Afghanistan, I was in the. Um, headquarters for the whole of Afghanistan. So I was there to support, ensure safety and effectiveness of, of clinical effectiveness for all the 6,000 troops there. Um, I wasn't literally going out on patrol every single day when the chance of one in six of my, you know, that your colleagues are not going to come back. To me, that is courage. But I think courage is a really interesting one because courage is not something that you can create courage is a is an act so you can feel the fear the classic feel the fear and do it anyway so the courage is the behavior as the result of not letting the fear stop you taking the action so I don't believe you can be courageous and so much is is a perception by other people yeah some people see that I was brave I went to Afghanistan I don't see that. That was me doing my duty. What I see is, is the soldiers that went out on patrol every day. They were truly courageous. But if you speak to any of the soldiers that did that, they just did what they did. So I think it's a really interesting um, 
phenomena. But I think, you know, innovation, as I say, like anything that has a risk, you need some level of overcoming fear. And then if you describe, if you describe courage as overcoming fear, yes, that's where the, the courage comes in with innovation because it's always a risk that it doesn't work and you're putting yourself above the parapet. And often you can create innovation without realizing you're creating innovation. You know, I think I just talk about my own experiences that I um, always have been one that just pushes doors open. And if there's a chink, just push it. Or if there's not a chink, make sure you find one. And um, and it was, it was interesting because uh, no one in the army had ever done a PhD as a nurse before. And I thought that was wrong because doctors did them. And so I put up a case that, I, that we should do it. And by the way, if you're going to do it, can I be the first one? Um, and, if, and then when I left, um, uh, nurses were being funded annually. So... I never that, that and when I had my final dinner, somebody came up. One of my junior soldiers, who I who I'd actually not seen for ten years, came up to me and said, "Do you realise the legacy you've created?" And I said, "No, it's just what I did." And so I think it's innovation doesn't have to be. Oh, now we're going to innovate. It's just having the courage to do what you think's right, despite what other might people might think and just think differently and just think let's just give it a go let's experiment so it's a bit innovation is really a big experiment of not just doing it the way we've always done it and it's really interesting because you said you were eighth generation of army and you were just brought up and it kind of almost as you said your duty to do that did you feel you had a choice still yeah, I never, my parents never, never put any pressure on me. And in fact, I was really old. I was 31 when I joined the army, which which actually is pretty old. Normally, most people join when they're 18 or, you know, after graduating. Um, so I, I lived a life abroad. I travelled around the world working as a midwife in various countries in the Far East and the Middle East. And then I just decided that, yeah, I wanted to give it a go. So, yes, no pressure from my parents. But of course, you know, they were, they were delighted. Um, but yeah, no, no pressure from my parents at all. And I love that you've created this legacy, Lizzie. I mean, it, it, it sort of gave me a prickle. I felt that sort of tear in my eye. Well, like when someone says that, when you almost normalize what you you've done and you don't realize quite how pioneering or how innovative it has been until somebody then sort of reflects it back at you. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that's just what, again, just what I did. And it was, I think what was so humbling about that, because I wasn't, um, I didn't want to go to the dinner because I didn't want to be the centre of attention. And then everybody said, oh, you've got to go, you've got to go. You've been in the army for 25 years, you've got to go. And, you know, it was wonderful speeches and all that sort of stuff. But it was incredible that this, somebody who I'd not seen for 10 years had, had made a big effort to come because wanted to be there to see me on my way and came, came up to me. And um, what was the other thing about that, which is, again, you never know the impact you have on others. At the same dinner, um, there was an award for the best officer. And um, this, the guy that won it, I had encouraged to go for a commission 10 years before. And I'd been sort of mentoring him. And then because of postings and so forth, we'd sort of lost touch. 
And then, you know, again, it was wonderful. Out of all the people that could have been there, it was him that I'd been really mentoring to say, look, you've got a career ahead. You've got a wonderful career. Just own who you are and then things will happen. And it was wonderful to see that he had owned who he was and as a result was being rewarded for it. So, um, yeah. So in that same breath, you didn't want to be the centre of attention and own who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not good, is it? It's not very authentic. <laughs> yeah, but I'm well, very it... aware of that now. I'm very aware that, you know, and, you know, while I help leaders stand tall, I got to be taller than anyone because how can I be authentic? You say, yes, you can do it, but no, I'm not prepared to do it. So that's all part of leadership is do, you've got to lead by example, whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's scary, just you have to fly your, fly your plane and fly out the plane if you're ever going to ask anybody to do the same thing, even a minuscule of what you've got to do, you've got to be the one that that shows what's possible. And I'm loving all these metaphors that you're using. Obviously, they're going to filter into your language, you know, taking the bullets for the team and flying out your plane. <laughs> They've got to be there, right? They've got to be all these army metaphors. But the, the language that you use, Lizzie, and, and the, the way that you are articulating what you're advocating and and what your your experiences have led you to believe what is it about the adversity that you've experienced that has influenced all of the way you are now yeah because I think my mindset is things happen to us they happen for us not to us so all the adversities that I don't see as adversities I just see them as opportunities to learn and I think that's that is the way forward because we can learn every minute of every day, as I said before, if we choose to learn. So, yes, you know, I had some um, unpleasant experiences. I've, you know, like all of us have had, but the learning that you can gain from those experiences are second to none. So if going in with that approach that fail, there's no word, such word as failure. Failure is purely feedback. Feedback that actually this didn't quite work at this time. So what can I learn from this to do it better next time? And so I'm so grateful for every, every what you could describe as adverse situation or adverse discussion or adverse individual that I worked with. Uh, because they've made me who I am today with my passion to make a difference for others. Yeah, and, and that's why you're speaking out. That's why you're using your voice. And that's why we're here today sharing this message because of what you have to say and how you, what you have experienced has led you to to see this toxic leadership and the impact that it can make. Mm. What what's the what's the next steps for you, Lizzie? What is it you really want to achieve in terms of your legacy? You've already created some so far. Yeah, I just got to I just do, do whatever I can. So yes, I'm in the process of start writing my book because that gives gets to a different audience. You know, doing more and more podcasts, doing you know uh, more speaking. Um, I think this is where. One great thing of COVID, no matter how traumatic it's been, has been extraordinary in the fact we are now all on the, can be all on the global stage. So our message can get out further and wider. And so, you know, I want to be that ripple in the pond so that the more I can, I can support others, the more they can support their teams and their teams and their teams. And, you know, just, just keep, keep the move. I want to be, I'm generating a movement. (laughs) 
movement. So it just becomes part of who we are. And with the writing the book, tell us a bit more about that. Yes. So my book is a mixture of um, stories and but using stories as an example. So, yeah, it's going to be I'm, it's either going to be called Stand Tall, No Longer Small, or it's going to be called Overcome Your Inner War Zone. Because we all have that inner war zone in our heads. And it's just it's just thoughts. Thoughts mean nothing. Thoughts is like a cloud going over our heads. So it's all about leadership, but a leadership of lessons I've learned along the way. So some, you know, some stories to explain, you know, like, like, you know, stepping off the tarmac to go to Afghanistan. I had a choice to do that, but I never saw it as a choice. But it's we all have choices, leaders even though we don't realize there's a choice. We have had a choice over the last 18 months. We had a choice in March. Do we comply with what we're told to stay at home and stay safe or do we ignore it? We have a choice whether to, for example, those of us that, are in, that do speaking, do we had a choice? Do we just like pack up our businesses because there's no face-to-face -face events or do we take it online? And, you know, communication, all sorts of aspects, lots of C's, communication, courage, choice, um, you know, cheerleading. Are you celebrating? You know, are you celebrating your achievements? Are you creating opportunities? Are you living with compassion? Are you living? How are you collaborating? That is a lot of C's now. I, <laughs> exactly. You got you got choice. You got communication, cheerleading, courage, celebrations, compassion, collaboration. Yeah, there's there's a whole book there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So overcoming your inner war zone. Yes, we all have these dark thoughts. We all have these in the inner voices. And what's your inner voice telling you now, Lizzie? My inner voice is telling me right now how wonderful it is to be speaking to you right now, actually. Um, but I think I think the biggest tip I would share is that our inner voice is is it's just background noise. It's not us. It's not us speaking. It's there in theory to protect us from, again, the tiger coming and getting us like, don't do that. You know, that's where procrastination comes in. Don't do your tax return. It's not a pleasant experience. Just don't do it. And then you think, actually, if I do my tax return, whoa, I've done it, win. I'm not going to get a letter from the, from the tax people. So it's acknowledging that it's just noise, just don't listen to it. And I, I always, when I have talking to clients about this, I just, because a, th a thought creates our feelings, our feelings create our actions and our actions create a result. So notice when that negativity kicks in and I talk about switch it, flip it, you know, uh, you know, asking yourself a question, talk about the word why, you know, why is a really powerful in terms of purpose, but it's not always powerful in terms of why am I so rubbish at this? Because our brain will then look at all the evidence where well, you're rubbish because you, you oversleep, you do this, you do that, whatever, that's completely disappearing opposed to switch it to say, well, what can I learn from this? And then our brain will give us all the things we can learn from it, which is way more empowering. So switching the why for the what sometimes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. For a W opposed to a C. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we've we've talked about what what's next. It's the book. It's it's talking more on podcasts. It's speaking opportunities. And by the time this comes out, I think you will have been in the final for the Professional Speaking Association. So Yay. congratulations for making it as a finalist. Yeah. Well done. 
I was there yeah. a year ago. I can't believe it's come around so quickly, but an incredible experience and, and enjoy that to share your message yeah. with everybody. So yeah. Lizzie, how would people get in contact with you? Yes. So I've got my website, which is rypotential.co.uk. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So that's just um, Dr. Lizzie Burnfell on LinkedIn. Uh, that, and I'm in Facebook, lizzie.burnfell. But I think LinkedIn is, is generally my main easiest way to get hold of me. Perfect. I'll make sure they all go into the show notes. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing why you do what you do and sharing your background which is incredible and your mission your your huge mission to sort of eliminate if you can toxic leadership which is a, you know, a great thing to be doing have you got some final words for us lizzie yeah the final word for i would say is we have everything within us already there's nothing broken nothing is fixed when a baby's born they kick their legs they've got poo in their nappy they've got spiky hair they never say don't look at me i'm having a bad hair day we're all of us born whole and complete and then stuff happens often with our childhood where we set up those beliefs that we're not good enough we can't do this you know we're not deserving all that stuff so it's really acknowledging that we are amazing we're whole we're complete and that's who we are and we don't nothing needs to be changed and it's just unpicking a bit of that weeding the garden but sometimes get those weeds in the way so that we can really flourish as our true authentic self that's already there nothing needs to be changed. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.